Al Jazeera podcast. As a four-day ceasefire takes hold in Gaza, talk of a two-state solution is once again re-emerging among the international community. But given the level of violence in the past seven weeks across the occupied territories, is now the time to pursue this path to a lasting peace? And what would it take from both sides to secure it? I'm James Bays, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Well, let's discuss all of this further by bringing in our panel of guests. In Tel Aviv, Alain Liel, a former director general of the Israeli Foreign Ministry and a former Israeli ambassador to South Africa. He's also part of an Israeli campaign to advance recognition of a Palestinian state by other governments. In Washington, D.C., Phyllis Bennis, a fellow at the Institute for Policy Studies and international advisor to Jewish Voice for Peace and author of Understanding the Palestinian-Israeli Conflict, a primer. And in Ramallah, Mustafa Bakuti, Secretary-General of the Palestinian National Initiative and a former Information Minister for the Palestinian Authority. Thank you, all of us, all of you, for joining us today to discuss a two-state solution. Now, this is an idea that clearly isn't new. It's been around since before uh, the formation of the State of Israel with the UN-Palestine Partition Plan, although that also, in addition to having an Arab and Jewish state, was going to have an international city for Jerusalem. Uh, let me start by getting your basic view before we discuss this in, in detail. Um, do you think that a two-state solution is desirable and viable? Mustafa, let's start with you. Well, it was desirable and it was viable, but Israel killed it. Netanyahu, in particular, came to power with one goal, to kill the possibility of two-state solution. And he managed to do so in two ways. Uh, first of all, he obstructed any possible negotiations. And second, he expanded settlements in the occupied Palestinian territories, specifically in, Gaza, in the West Bank, to a level that makes the two-state solution impossible. Uh, in the process, they've created a one new reality, a one apartheid state reality. Uh, pushing Palestinians to start to think that the only alternative to one apartheid state is one democratic state with equal rights. Now Netanyahu is coming with a second plan, with his uh, fascist crowd in his government, like Smotrich and Bingvir. And their goal now is to solve the demographic problem, where uh, the number of Palestinians is equal, if not a little bit more, than Jewish Israelis on the land of historic Palestine by trying to impose ethnic cleansing. He wants to start with Gaza, evicting 2.3 million people out of Gaza, and this is the real purpose of this horrible attack on Gaza. And then he's trying, he will be moving to the West Bank. This is the exact reality of today. Okay, but if well, we want let, to speak get, about two-state solution, Alon's, I will give we'll, you we'll my bring opinion. You back, we'll bring later. you back in in a bit, Mustafa. Let's get Alon's take of this. Uh, do you think... It is viable now, a two-state solution. Do you think it's desirable, given the current circumstances? I certainly think it's desirable. I uh, am a two-stater from uh, my early adult years. Uh, I always believe this is the best solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, with what happened over the years, uh, on the 6th of October, I was among those believing that this dream is gone. 
that uh, it's uh, not possible anymore, and not only because of the number of settlers, but also because uh, the Israeli government in the last decade uh, dropped the idea, officially dropped the idea. Uh, in every coalition agreement uh, we had until 10 years ago, the two-state solution was a goal of the coalition. About 10 years ago, it was removed. So uh, we were very disillusioned. We, we really believed it's not possible anymore. And when you ask me today, I think uh, the idea is back on the table. Okay. Think, uh, okay. We'll come. We'll come to you again in a minute. Phyllis, your take, please. Well, first, I would say that I think on the question of viability, that there is no land left for a Palestinian state, whether or not we like it. I think it's just not realistic, unless we're talking about removing somewhere close to eight hundred thousand illegal Israeli settlers on that land, which I don't think is on anyone's agenda. Number two, I think that we have to be clear that the kind of state, quote, that was being talked about for the Palestinians was never really a Palestinian state. It would be an entity that lacked control of its own borders, of its own water, of its own airspace, its electrical grid, self-defense. It was not designed ever. It was never discussed as something that would truly be an equal state with the state of Israel. And third, my only point is, I'm an American. I'm a Jewish girl from California. I don't think I have any right to say whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. That's for people who live in that land, Palestinians and Israelis, to decide. And the notion that my president, or me as a taxpayer, should have some right to choose as opposed to saying, what we want is equality. If it's one state, equality for all within the one state. If it's two states, equality within both states and between both states. But I think, as I said, as an analyst, I don't think it's viable any longer because there is simply no land left. OK, Mustafa, my day job, when I'm not here in Doha, which I am at the moment, is based at the UN in New York for Al Jazeera, and I watch the Security Council meeting that happens every single month on the Middle East and the situation regarding Israel and Palestine. And every single month, I listen to all 15 members of the Security Council talk and mention a two-state solution. It's rather like a mantra. But no-one ever talks about the steps to make it happen. Do you think the talk now we're hearing, for example, from the, the Spanish Prime Minister and the Belgian Prime Minister, do you think it's actually changed? Or do you think they're just saying it because they have nothing else to say? No, there is change. And the change is specifically because the heroism and the steadfastness of the Palestinian people, especially in Gaza, but all over Palestine, have uh, defeated the Israeli Netanyahu plan to eliminate the Palestinian question and liquidate it through normalization with Arab countries as he was planning to. So the Palestinian issue is back on the table. Nobody can avoid it. Uh, unfortunately, it has to be a situation where Israelis are hurt before the world starts to see the reality of Palestine. Uh, there were many, many better ways to look at the problem during the last 30 years. But the world turned their back to us, and especially the United States of America and Western Europe. The talk about two-state solution became a title of hypocrisy. It became a cliché. 
that they would mention just to avoid dealing with the problem. It became just a slogan. But in reality, nobody worked for it. If anybody really meant it, they would have initiated real sanctions plans on Israel for continuing settlement activities, which all these countries, including the United States of America, admitted was a violation of international law and admitted it would kill the possibility of two-state solution. So Israel was allowed to increase the number of settlers from 121,000 to more than 750,000 today. And they became a major political power inside Israel, producing such fascists like Smotrich and Ben-Gvir, becoming actually the real governors of the West Bank. Now, if the world wants—I mean, the, the options are three. There are no other options. Either one democratic state with equal rights, which I prefer for everybody, but uh, it would not be a Jewish-only state. It cannot be uh, one democratic state of Israel wants to maintain this nation-state law, which says that self-determination in Eretz Israel, meaning all of Palestine, is for Jewish people only. It has to be fully democratic and fully equal, which means equal national and civil rights. If that's not what they want, and they want two-state solution, there are two conditions. One, the complete evacuation of all settlers from the West Bank. And second, negotiations will not be about what will happen, but will be about implementing a particular end result, which everybody would agree about, which is that the end of the process is the creation of a Palestinian state, the end of Israeli occupation of all occupied territories in 1967, and that the borders are not for discussion. The borders are the borders of the 4th of June, 1967, including East Jerusalem. If these, conditions too, these two conditions are there, there can be a Palestinian state. But without these two conditions, the talk about two states becomes only one way of avoiding the problem. This okay. is my opinion. Uh, Alan, if I can bring you in on this. You just heard Mustafa say yes. that up until now, the international community, the two-state solution had become just a slogan. Would you agree with that? And do you think they're serious right now? I think there is a difference uh, between uh, 2014 and today. I think that uh, until 2014, uh, countries, uh, especially the most relevant ones that are interested in this conflict, including the United States and the, the European countries, uh, really believed the idea is feasible. It doesn't mean that they adopted it uh, on the governmental level or put pressure on Israel to implement it. But I remember, and I was part of it, uh, in the last three months of 2014, one parliament after the other in Western Europe adopted the resolution to call upon the governments to recognize a Palestinian state. I think at this stage, they really believed in it. What happened uh, were several things. The first time, the first one of them was ISIS. The major terror attacks of uh, ISIS starting in January 2015, and the big march in Paris and so on changed the mood 
uh, in the Palestinian, in the Western world, on uh, Islam, and as a result of it, also on the Hamas and the Palestinian issue. And uh, there was less readiness in Europe uh, when the focus was on ISIS to discuss a Palestinian state. Parallel to it, and I agree what was said, the Israeli government understood that the world is not pushing, putting pressure and removed the issue. And it was not a, a policy of Israel anymore. So the, the fact that in the last decade, the world kind of dropped the idea, definitely didn't put pressure on Israel. And the Israeli government dropped the idea, caused the situation that prior to this war, it was not an issue. Let me bring Phyllis in on that point, because when I sit listening to those UN Security Council meetings, I listen to the 15 people, 15 um, members talk about a two-state solution. I listen to the Palestinian delegate talk about a two-state solution, and you never hear the words coming from an Israeli sitting in the Security Council for literally years. In fact, um, I tried in the last year to, um, to address Ambassador Gilad Erdan, the Israeli ambassador, on this. I said, do you, simple question, does your government believe in a two-state solution? He walked off. I mean, is Israel doesn't believe in this, does it? Actually, Israel certainly does not believe in it, but I think... This is not something new and we'll different. We'll come to you in a second, Mustafa. We'll come to you in a second, Mustafa. Phyllis, please. OK, OK. Thank you. Okay, I sorry. think that <laughs> it's certainly true that the current Israeli government has been far more explicit in its rejection of a two-state solution. Earlier Israeli governments talked about it, talked around it. None of them ever acknowledged the realities that Mustafa so clearly laid out a few minutes ago. The notion that there would have to be the removal of uh, all settlers or the agreement of all current settlers to become Palestinian citizens, sorry, Palestinian citizens with no special privileges, no special protection, no arms against their own government, they would have to be citizens like everyone else, which would make it essentially two equal citizen equal citizenships in two different countries. Uh, but no one is talking about that as a model. The models always included the idea that Israel would be the dominant power. And what we're hearing now is a much more explicit call for accepting the reality of the Israeli legal system, which so many in the world now identify as an apartheid system, partly because of the laws that have been passed, explicit laws that mandate discrimination against non-Jews. The most recent one, the one that Mustafa referred to, the nation-state law, which is essentially the equivalent in the United States of a constitutional amendment, that says explicitly that the right of self-determination in the land of Israel, meaning all of the land of historic Palestine, belongs only to Jews. That's a very clear understanding of who is to have power and who will have the choice as one Israeli leader outlined very explicitly, the choice will be either Palestinians leave, ethnic cleansing, as we're now seeing the effort to force people out, or they will agree to live under the suppression of a dominant population, that of Jews and Jewish, uh, Jewish power over Palestinians, or they will die. OK, let me, br let, let me bring... Let, Mustafa was very keen to say something. Mustafa, let me bring you in.
No, I was going to say something similar, actually. No Israeli government before, even the government of Yitzhak Rabin, agreed on a Palestinian state. All they have been talking about is some kind of self-governing authority. They differ about the size of the land that will be under this self-governing authority, about the amount of natural resources they will be in control of. But all Israeli governments, without exception, up till now, we didn't see that government that would agree with a Palestinian independent state, meaning that a state would have sovereignty, would have control over its borders, would have security control of its airspace, of its electromagnetic field, etc. And even that formula of self-governing or structure that could be called a state or whatever you call it, empire maybe, even that Netanyahu did not accept. Okay. And that's Let, why Netanyahu made it the goal of his life, not only to aggravate the public till Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated by an Israeli ex extremist, but to kill the very idea that Palestinians would have any form of self-determination. Okay, let me, let me, for a moment, pause for a moment, let me read you a quote. Uh, this was when um, the, the issue of settlements, as often as it's been at the top of the agenda, it's a quote from the former UN Secretary-General Ban Ki-moon. Uh, he said, let me read you, the parties must act and act now to prevent the two-state solution from slipping away forever, unfolding and implementing this vision. Two states living side by side in peace and security offers the only means by which Israel could retain its Jewish majority and democratic status. That was in 2016. It was slipping away forever. That was before the Trump administration and a massive expansion of settlements being built. Um, what do you say, Alain, to people who say there's absolutely no way now? It's already dead. It's an apartheid state. How do you dismantle settlements that have more than 700,000 settlers living in them? First, uh, I was part of the Rabin government. So I know exactly who were the people, and I know exactly why Rabin was assassinated. We wanted a Palestinian state, and it cost Rabin his life, as you know. I think we are missing two words in this discussion. One, the will, and the will of the leadership. When you have a leadership that doesn't want a Palestinian state, you will not have a Palestinian state. But we are speaking on a different leadership. We are speaking after this war, there might be, there will possibly be a different Israeli leadership. Now, if the new Israeli leadership will come back to the two states idea, it can happen. Now, another important uh, word that we missed is the swap of land. All previous discussions on a Palestinian state with Arafat, with Abu Mazen, always spoke on a swap of land, not on the removal of all settlers, and the numbers of settlers here were exaggerated. I don't know about a higher number, at least in the West Bank, than half a million, but uh, the, the swap was the key, and we agreed on the first uh, stage to a 3% swap, then in the Olmert uh, Abu Mazen talks, it was uh, about 5-6%, it can be maybe more now, but with the swap, it is possible. 
And I think now those of us who want to state have to promote the idea of a swap, to explain the idea of a swap of land, because without a swap, I agree, it cannot work. OK, well, among those talking about a two-state solution in recent... No, in, a, in a moment, Mustafa. Uh, one of those talking about a two-state solution uh, in recent hours has been President Biden, a two-state solution where Israelis and Palestinians can one day live side by side with equal measure of freedom and dignity. But it does... I mean, it's all very well saying a two-state solution, but it doesn't matter what you mean by a two-state solution. We look at the Trump administration. Uh, Jared Kushner came up with something that, um, uh, that President Abbas said looked like a, a Swiss cheese... Um, if you look at the UN's definition, um, it, it says, Phyllis, a vision of two states, Israel and Palestine, living side by side in peace and security. That bit's the same as Biden, but on the basis of the pre-1967 lines with Jerusalem as the capital of both states. Do you think the US support that bit of the statement? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because that implies, number one, that there would be real sovereignty for a Palestinian state. No one is talking ever, not since the Madrid conference of 1991, not since Oslo, and not today. No one in power in Western capitals, particularly in my capital, is talking about a truly sovereign Palestinian state with control of all the things that make up sovereignty. They're talking about an entity. There was an extraordinary moment on this show about two weeks ago. I was on uh, on discussing another aspect of the of the Gaza crisis. And there was someone on it, I've been trying to remember his name, and unfortunately I don't, but he was a, he's a, a um, an activist in the Democratic Party in the U.S. from Jewish Democrats, a great supporter of Israel, and a supporter of a version of the two-state solution. And he said, of course, the settlements, I had raised something about the settlers as a serious problem in the notion of two states, and he said, of course, the settlers would have to be removed. And Israel has shown, and this was the extraordinary thing, he said, Israel has shown now in Gaza that it could move a million people in a very short time. So clearly, it could do that with the settlers. And unfortunately, it was the last moment of the show, and I didn't get the chance to follow up with a question to him. Are you saying that you're proposing that Israel should be bombing the 750 to 800,000 settlers across the West Bank and killing thousands of them? Because that's what it took for Israel to force people in Gaza to move from the northern part of the Gaza Strip to the southern part. What's Phyllis, killing them? Phyllis, it's, the problem with, it's the problem with this show. We get to the end and we, 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 we can't say everything. So I'd like to go to Mustafa on the US point, Mustafa. Um, he's talking about a two-state solution. Do Palestinians think the US is an honest broker, given its strong support for Israel in this war that's now killed about 15,000 people in Gaza? No, the United States administration is not uh, cannot play that role because it has become a partner in the crime in what's going on in Gaza. And that, that doesn't make it uh, capable of being a mediator. And what we need is something different. But in response to what was said about the swap and all other projects like uh, Yossi Balin project of confederation, they're all designed to accommodate settlement building, to accommodate an illegal action of settlements. What Israelis don't realize and don't understand that the, what they have done in Gaza now 
the, ba the act of ethnic cleansing of 1.5 million people from the north and center of Gaza brought this whole question to its roots, which is that Israel was created as a settler colonial project, ethnically cleansing 70% of the Palestinian people. The message that we get now as all Palestinians in the West Bank, in Gaza, and even inside Israel itself, is that these guys only want one solution, which is to ethnically cleanse all of us. And we will not allow that. And we will struggle for our freedom. And we will get our freedom. They don't want two states, fine. But they will not cheat us with a ploy of something that is uh, nothing but a subservient structure for Israeli occupation. Mustafa, thank you very much. And thanks to all our guests, Alain Liel, Phyllis Benes, and Mustafa Barghouti. This episode was produced by Damien Lay, Katia Lopez-Hobayan, Abdurrahman Wasami, and Jimmy Getahan. Studio sound was by Yasir Romani. The program was edited by Andre Oosthuizen, Zainab Bada, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thanks for listening, and tune in on Sunday for our next edition. We live in a world where the news is at our fingertips, where we're one click or swipe away from the latest headlines. But how often do we stop swiping and scrolling and just listen? It's the difference between knowing what's in the headlines and understanding how it got there. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take, Al Jazeera's daily news podcast, where we bring you the context and the people behind the global stories that matter. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.